All right, guys, awesome to be back, ending my second month at Lifeline Community Church. Is that not just, like, hard to believe? Two months? <laughs> so, I guess that's better than booze, you know? Ooh. <laughs> um, so, I just want y'all to know, man, like, this has been, like, the first week, man. I've been to, I mean, I've been to work this week, you know, I, Told uh, Scott I'd play in the band, so I practiced Tuesday. I met with uh, the the youth group leaders on uh, Wednesday. Uh, I mean, I don't feel too sorry for me. We met at Hemador, and I had like a man, I had like a shrimp burrito grande. It was awesome. Uh, but we met too. We met, and uh, then Thursday we met with the leadership team. I finally kind of got caught up on all the. Uh, you know, the goings on, you know, finances, just, you know, stuff, started getting in on the little decisions, and uh, man, and then, you know, and then here we are, so I'm like, wow, so now I'm like really, you know, starting to be like pastor of a church, you know, <laughs> so two months into it, I think I finally get that, you know, um, but I just do want to say, man, y'all have just a unbelievable, you need it closer? Oh, all right, yeah, take my glasses off too all right we'll get it going man i'm comfortable being uncomfortable (laughs) so i do want to say though man you guys have a fantastic group of um of volunteers i mean the just the way y'all get in here and get all this stuff set up it's like everybody's got their own little job i mean like we're like ants you know just just getting I don't know if that's a good analogy or not, but um, anyway, uh, we've been in this kind of um, in unintentional series that I've called um, Experiencing God, and I started with, um, with Peter, with Simon Peter, and how he was listening to the Word of God, he, um, he understood that he needed to obey the commands of Jesus, and when he did... He got such a blessing that he, he experienced God. He's like, Lord, you got to go away from me. I'm a sinful man. Even though nobody talked about sin, nobody talked about the fires of hell, there was none of that going on. He just recognized when he got in the presence of God at how great Jesus was and how great God is and how insignificant and small and full of sin he was. And those experiences, I don't know if you, if you, if you have them, you know, I mean, I'm, I, they're kind of now what I live for. I love those moments when God just fills my car up on the ride to work, or he just, I'm sitting there worshiping or practicing, and he just fills it up, you know, and I just start crying, and I just like, you know, where is that even coming from? And you just start to really lift God up and get up there where he is, even though you realize you don't deserve it. It's just because he's been so, so good to you. And so I started with Peter. I plan on ending uh, the experience and God thing next week. Uh, I want to talk about Moses and his experience with the burning bush in, uh, in Exodus chapter 3. So that was when he experienced God. But if you want to kind of read ahead, um, I'd, I'm going to talk about the events leading up to his God experience, about what life was like, um, how it got that way. So I hope it lasts just next Sunday, but if it goes to two Sundays, it just goes to two Sundays. But if you want to read ahead, read Genesis chapter 50, Exodus chapters 1, 2, and 3. Okay, And really just kind of think about what it was like 
um, leading up to those, Moses' life leading up to that burning bush experience when he was actually prepared to go out and deliver people from slavery. Because there's a period, I believe, after we get saved, like, as soon as you ask the Lord, I mean, you can tell somebody how great that made you feel, but you're not really ready to go out and get other people because there's a lot of things in your own life you've got to deal with and progress through. Um, I call it the process. I've got a sermon series I'm going to be talking about before long called The Process, where we go through the Beatitudes uh, in Matthew chapter 5. So I've got a lot of stuff, so I'm going to get into what we're going to talk about today, finally. Um, I'm going to be in Isaiah, and last week I talked about Uzziah. How he did right, but not wholeheartedly. And we kind of got into that, you know, if you do right, you know, you'll be blessed. Really, whether you're a Christian or not, the, God's principles work for, any, for really anybody. If you, if you live this stuff out, you know, you don't really have a choice but to be blessed. But it's meant to drive you to Him. It's meant to drive you in His presence and... I think for Uzziah, he just got to wanting to do more and more to where it took him into the temple, and he started doing things he shouldn't have been doing. He got leprosy, had a very, very bad ending. Um, so that's when Isaiah ended. He's like, um, how it was when he died, um, when Uzziah died, it was during the year that King Uzziah died that he saw the Lord high and lifted up. It was a time of uncertainty when Isaiah is like, who's going to be our next king? What's he going to be like? Is he going to go back and follow after Baal and those other foreign gods? Is he going to serve God? Is he going to ride the fence? Who knows what's up? It was just a time of transition, a time of uncertainty. Um, and one of the reasons <laughs> you're hearing this message really is because it's ministered to me so much lately because I'm in a period of transition. You know, I mean, here I am. I mean, I'm a math teacher Monday through Friday, uh, you know, with, with kids that don't even want to listen to me. And, you know, and then Sunday I come in here and y'all do want to listen to me. So I'm like, man, you know what I do with that? I'm on the opposite ends here. And so, you know, here, you know, we do, is, does God, he want me to do both, to continue to do both? Does he want me to do this? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I mess is a great time of uncertainty, a great time of transition for me. But I want to do what Isaiah did. I want to see the Lord high and lifted up. And even though my life may, not, may be uncertain, he's not uncertain. The whole earth is full of his glory. He knows what he's doing. He's not going, wow, what am I going to do with Adam's life? I just, I just don't know. But here I am. I can only see right in front of me. I put my life in his hands and trust that I can experience him and I can lead you guys in a way that you, that you need to be, to be led. So, before I get started, let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much just for your son, um, what you did on the cross for us 2,000 years ago. Where would we be if you had not done that? I mean, I just, the more I think about it, you know, where, where would we be? What would the world even be like if there was no atonement for sin, there was no forgiveness, there was no narrow path that you could take, even though everybody else seems to want to take that wide path. You give us the opportunity to walk through the gate who is you, who is Jesus Christ, and accept you into our hearts, and then you give us the opportunity to walk on this narrow road that leads 
to life that leads to you, that leads to sin being annihilated in our life and we can just keep going forward with you and forward with you and until hopefully at the end of our life, Lord, you've perfected us and you've changed our hearts so much that we're ready to enter the kingdom of heaven. And I can't even imagine what it would be like, Lord, to be together in eternity with you being there first and foremost but also with other believers who have had their hearts changed that don't get angry at just the least little thing that are patient and kind and goodness, have all those fruits of the Spirit. What would that be like, Lord, to, to be in eternity in a world like that with people who have been changed and transformed by you? So all I can ask, Lord, is that for one more time, you, you bless these words, you fill this place with your wisdom, and that hearts will be changed and will leave, Lord, just a little bit more like you. Let this just be one step on the long journey that is purification and transformation, Lord. May we just be a little more consecrated to you. Bless these words. Bless this time, Lord. Take over my spirit and my mind and, and these words and um, I just thank you, Lord, and give you praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we start with um, Isaiah chapter 1. We're just kind of going to go sequential through this. Um, and starting in verse 2, he says, uh, Hear me, you heavens. Listen, earth, for the Lord has spoken. I reared children and brought them up, but they've rebelled against me. The ox knows its master, the donkey its owner's manger. But Israel does not know. My people, they don't understand. Woe to the sinful nation, a people whose guilt is great, a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. They have forsaken the Lord. They have spurned the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on Him. Now this is like, man, if you read Isaiah, I'm, like, I'm about halfway through Isaiah. It's like mostly full of this stuff, man. Like destruction is coming. And there's nothing, you know, we can do about it other than change our hearts, change our minds, and nobody wants to listen. And Isaiah's not the only one saying this, you know. As I've said before, you had uh, Hosea up in the north saying this stuff. Uh, you had Micah in the south saying this. You got Isaiah in Jerusalem. You got Amos who's, you know, trying his, going out and forth. He's a shepherd, and God kind of sends him to different places. And you got these people saying, listen, man, destruction is coming. And it, the Bible is so full of that. And you can kind of read it and kind of, you know, I find myself reading chapters like, yeah, it's more of the same thing. But then I thought, you know, why so much of that? Well, man, I mean, Israel was like the head and not the tail, and they were about to be destroyed. God gave them people like crazy, different people all over saying, listen, this is coming, it doesn't have to be this way. He's so gracious, he warned, he warned, he sends people, he's got this, he, he doesn't want to destroy it. It's almost like God's even emotional. Sometimes he's like, I am going to bring, I mean, to lay the smack down. You know, and then other times he's like, ah, oh, but, but I'm not. I've got, I got to spare a few. There's going to be a few that's going to be art. There's going to be some forgiveness. Later on, it's going to work out. And you just see that all through the book of Isaiah and Hosea and Micah and all that. So when you read all that, this is the same period. He's trying, this artist, to save Israel. He's not the only side, but, but he's also talking to the children. You know, at that, um, go back to two verses to that first one. 
Um, in verse 2, Hear me, you heavens, listen, for the Lord has spoken. I reared children and brought them up, but they rebelled against me. So, you know, he's looking, he's like, man, when, when I met with Abraham, and, I, and by faith made him righteous and told him, I am going to, to give you such a large family that the star, I mean, more than the number of the stars. I mean, it's, I've, he started right then. And, you know, and Abraham had to go through all that. You know, I can't even get my wife pregnant, and I'm old, and how is all this going to happen? And we know the rest of the story, but he didn't know the story. And so, you know, we, we see all that. We're all the way to where they're in slavery in Egypt, and God reaches down and He rescues them. He, in just a mighty way, they see the Red Sea part, and they see all these miracles and water coming out of rocks and, and all this stuff. And He says, you are my children and you know and for a while you know they were they were grateful you know thank you lord and, and for for bringing us out of what you've done and that's why the first commandment says i'm the lord your god remember what i did for you remember what i brought you out of and now we're at a stage where they're just corrupt and it's not like they completely forgot god um, it's just more that they're trying to do to do the god thing and do all these other God things. You know, like, if Baal's the God of the crops, and, and he's the one that could possibly help us have a good crop and get a good financial security thing going, well, let's, let's go to, let's just offer a sacrifice. It's not a big deal if we just offer a sacrifice to him. We're still going to go over here and worship God and give him our tithes and sacrifice our animals. But what's the big deal if we go ahead and do like the other nations? They seem to sure be blessed following this God. So why don't we just, why don't we just try it? And it just sickens God to see his children do that to over and over. And he's like, there's one God. Let's get back to following him. And in the same way, if we've been saved, man, you are His child. Check out the New Testament, what this says in um, 1 John. And now, dear children, continue in Him. And I like that. He says, dear children, when you say, Lord, will you forgive me? Will you come into my heart? Will you save me? You just became His child. He's forgiven you. But what a lot of people do is they do like I did, you know, especially as a teenager. They come down and say, Lord, will you forgive me? And they get right there at the gate. And then they just turn around and go back into their old life with the old people. And they don't really make any changes. You know, like in Pilgrim's Progress, you know, Christian had to go in and go in through that gate and then walk a narrow road. And it was tough. And he had people trying to convince him to get off that road all the time. And there was all these turns and stuff. But God said, listen, just keep taking that narrow road. Just keep taking it. And that's why this says, dear children, if you've been saved, continue in him. It was probably after the 140th time I got saved that I got at that gate. And I said, you know what? This time I'm actually going to go forward. I'm going to start doing some of this stuff that I learned in church and doing what I know is right. And it was hard. And yes, people made fun of me and called me Bible boy and church man and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I was like, hey, that's kind of cool. I mean, I'm, I'm different. Even at, at school the other day, these kids are like playing ball, you know, and I didn't have my stuff, so I didn't play ball. And, uh, you know, one guy's like, hey, are you, you better than so-and-so? And I'm like, no, nah, he's a good bit better than me. And this guy said, well, he's a Christian. He ain't going to tell you anything like that. And I'm like, well, that's pretty good because, you know, I don't know that, you know, I've ever had, really had that conversation. But, you know, I was just, 
You know, it's not like it was false humility. The guy really is. If I'm better than you, I'll tell you. And then if you need me to, we'll go prove it. And uh, I can play you some one-on-one, you know. We'll tr- we, can, we can do that if we need to. And uh, so anyway, all right, that was, that was bad. I don't know where that came from. So <laughs> that, that when he appears, okay, I mean, imagine, imagine right now, man, the Lord just phew, splitting heaven open. And you just, we, we just know right now, man, this is the moment. We are going to be with him. Are you confident? Man, when I was a teenager, I'd have been scared to death. I'm, you know, like, one more time to be saved, please. You know, give me an altar call one more time. But, uh, man, if you'll continue in him, and you go through some of these battles, battles and, you, and you see sin that used to just grab a hold of you and, and just that you just felt like you couldn't conquer, and you start seeing those things disappear, not because you tried harder or because you worked harder at it, but because God changed your heart, because He was in there, and He just changed you. You know, here I am, that song we sang, changed. And, you know, if He, if he comes back now, guys, I can be confident. I mean, does that mean I've done everything right? Lord, no. I mean, I mess it up with the best of them. But I can be confident, not in me, and what I've done, but in Him, and what He's done on the cross, the completed work, and what He continues to do in me. You know, every year I just want to look back and say, am I closer to Him than I was last year? And that's where I gained my confidence. When I was younger, and just kept going back into sin, and back and forth, I was never confident, because I never continued in Him. And so when He appears, we can be confident. And we can be unashamed before Him at His coming, but we've got to continue in Him. Let's keep going. If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone who does right, who does what is right, has been born of Him. How do you know if somebody's the real deal? You look on their Facebook and look up uh, religious views, Christian. That means they're Christian, right? No. Watch their lives. Watch how they do their job. Watch how they treat people. Watch what they pump their head full of. Just, just watch, because the people that do what's right, you guys, man, those, that, that person's different. I mean, look how they just stand in line, you know, while the cashier does a price check that's going to take 20 minutes. You know, look how they just, they don't get angry about that. Look how somebody pulled out in front of them, but you don't see them raising their middle finger or getting mad or cussing. You don't, you don't see that. So look at how this stuff, and listen, that's how I know i got a long way to go. I'm not there yet, okay? But it's, it's how you know. You look at that person, you say, man, they're different. This is, what do they have that I don't? Well, they've continued in Him. They didn't just say a prayer. They went, and then they went down that narrow road, and they've had, they've, they've had the Lord transform them. Let's keep going. Um, and this is, you know, 1 John chapter 3. Um, you know, sometimes it's kind of strange when you read the Bible because, you know, these guys, when they wrote it, didn't write chapters and numbers and have little headings and stuff like that. So this is really um, should, is just a continuation of the other one, even though it starts a new chapter. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. Okay, pretty cool. We, we sang that song. Hello, my name is child of the one true king. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that's what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. So what great love. We are His children. So overall, 
Well, how would you say we're doing as his children? The people that say they're Christians, you know, when you, when you just look at them, if you took a hundred of them, you know, how many of them spend at least a few days a week in the Word of God, just, just them and God, by themselves? How many of them turn off the radio every once in a while and just talk to them like, like, we're talk, like I'm talking to you right now? And, you know, just take the time to listen to them. How many, how many people can just, you know, just get alone with Him? Allow Him to transform their life. How many people are continuing in Him? Or are we talking mostly people that just said, yeah, I've said the prayer, I'm good to go. I mean, I know 50-year-olds who behave like 18-year-olds. And, you know, you ask them about salvation, oh, I'm good to go. Yeah, when I was, seven, when I was 12, I prayed. I remember being at that church, and I prayed, I'm all right, I'm good to go. You know, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, you went to the gate. You were there, man, but you turned around and went back to your world. You didn't continue on that narrow path. That's, you know, and, and you can even start now. You know, how about let's start now. Let's get right there at the gate, and let's continue with Him, and let's separate ourselves from this world. So if we're saved, we're His child. Now, back to Isaiah, uh, in chapter 1, verse 7. Now, this is just the kind of stuff, uh, I want to kind of look at the way their world was and kind of look at the way our world is now, because this is, this is some interesting stuff. Your country is desolate, your cities burned with fire. Now, listen to this, your fields are being stripped by foreigners right before you. And I just remembered reading something, and I had to do a little bit of digging to find it. But check this out, this, is, this was happening back then, and look at what's happening Today, this is from USA Today, April 2012, and it says buyers from mainland China and Hong Kong are snapping up luxury homes, often paying cash. In major U.S. cities such as New York, Los Angeles, and San Francisco, they're coming by the dozens to buy foreclosed properties in downtrodden cities in Florida and Nevada. Chinese buyers are even starting to snap up pricey commercial buildings and hotels in Manhattan. Chinese interest in U.S. real estate began climbing during the U.S. housing meltdown when plunging property prices made the U.S. a magnet for global buyers. Just two years ago, in two months, it'll be two years anyway, that this is starting to happen. I mean, you know, we, we sent our jobs over there. You know, everything's made in China now, and now they're using that wealth to buy our land. This is happening Right in front of us. And I just thought that was interesting because that's what was happening then. That's what's kind of, that's what's happening now. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 2, verses 2. And what I like about this, man, is, you know, God says, yes, destruction's coming. This is proof of destruction. This is what's happening. But in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. He's like, there is hope, guys. There is a day when the mountain of the Lord, interesting that I had that dream right in the middle of all this about that mountain of the Lord and how it was a paramount mountain. It was the most important mountain. The mountain of the Lord's temple, which would be Jesus Christ, will be established as the highest of mountains. It will be exalted above the hills. And all the nations will stream to it. I stream to it. you got people right now, that cross, people streaming to it. I mean, every day people are kneeling down and saying, Lord, you know, I need your righteousness. I'm not getting to heaven without 
your righteousness. Come into my heart. Fill me. Many people will come. Say, come, let's go to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of God of Jacob. He will teach us His ways. Now here's where we're, we're stuck, man. I think as a, as a church in America, I'm not going to say globally, I'm going to say in America, I think this is specific to us. He teaches us His ways. We all know probably the majority of His ways, but why does He teach us His ways? So that we may walk in His paths. And see, we're Americans. I don't know where we got this. Give me something for doing nothing mentality. Give me an A, Mr. Hopkins, but don't make me do anything for it. Give me money, but I don't actually want to have to work to get it. And we've got all this. This is just where America is. So when we're all for salvation, you get to go to heaven and God paid the price. Sure, come on down. And people come. Okay, now let's walk in His ways and do some of this stuff. No, thank you. I want the salvation. But I don't want any kind of work. Don't make me do anything. And listen, I've been there, guys. I was there for 5 to 12 years where I wanted the salvation. But don't make me do anything. And then I realize as I start walking in His path, as I start doing these things, oh God, that was really just for me all along. You wanted to change my heart to bring me closer to you. I thought it was just what you wanted. And it was just arbitrary stuff that made you happy. But no, it was for me all along. And when you start experiencing Him and you start experiencing the blessing, it's His kindness that leads you to actual repentance. Where you're like, Lord, not only am I asking for forgiveness, but I want to walk in your ways. I want to walk in your ways. And so then Isaiah goes back to destruction. Check out Isaiah chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. Jerusalem staggers. Judah has fallen. Okay, now how do we know? How do we know judgment's coming upon this nation? Their words and their deeds are against the Lord. Okay? I mean, you got sexual immorality going on. It's against the Lord. You got people changing their scales so they, they can make dishonest Money, that's against the Lord. That's something He wouldn't have you do. He's got, you got people treating people wrongly, paying them unfairly. That's against the Lord. Their deeds are against the Lord. Defying His glorious presence. And that's just not what we're about. The look on their faces test against them, testify against them. They parade their sin like Sodom. They don't even hide it. Woe to them. They've brought disaster Upon themselves, you can stay right there. They parade their sin. Now, here's the thing about sin that I'm just now really starting to, starting to get. Um, you, with sin, you will either struggle with it until you are delivered or until you are dead. You will take sin, known sin that you know about. You will struggle with it until you're delivered or you're dead. You'll struggle with it. You'll fight it. You'll go to war against it. Or you'll parade it. You'll say, it's just the way I am. And nobody's going to change me. That's the way I've always done it. That's the way I've always been. You'll parade your sin. Now, the first thing I kind of thought of when I thought of about Sodom and parade was, you know, you kind of go to those, the gay pride parades. 
You know, if you like Google that, you'll see all kinds of stuff you wish you hadn't seen. I don't even suggest doing that, okay? But you'll see, they, and they have parades. And you know, and now you can go to it, find you a church that says, hey, you know, we're gay, God loves us, He loves everybody, we're going to heaven. You know, that, that's what we're about, okay? And, but then I said, well, you know what? He's like, I'm like the, the, man, the gay thing, that's the, that's the thing that, that's, that's, Christians kind of love to get off and, and bash them. I remember one time uh, Ronnie was, was going through like a list of sins. And when he said homosexuality, somebody said, Amen! And like even clapped a couple of times. I'm like, really? What made that one so special that we should stone, you know, that person? And, and it's true. I mean, the gay community, I think they kind of, when they throw out figures, they try to say 10% of the population is, is homosexual. And, and um, you know, it's a 1 out of 10. From, you know, what little research I conducted from independent people, not Christians, not, uh, you know, LGBT people, um, you know, they, they think it's around 4% of the population. So 1 out of 25 either struggle with it or they parade it. Okay, so we, you know, you either gonna no matter what the sin is, you're either gonna struggle with it or you're gonna parade it. So I thought I'd look at, you know, let's let's forget the homosexual sin things and and let's look at heterosexual sin. So sex outside of marriage. One study asked young Christians between the ages of 18 and 29. So these would be our young adults. Okay, and these are people who are confessing Christians. I mean, go to church. All this, okay? One study asked them, and 80%, four out of five, admitted to having sex before marriage, okay? Now, of those that said they have, two out of every three, I mean, 64% said they had had sex in the last year. Now, 42%, almost half, admitted that they were currently in a practicing sexual relationship with their partner, even though they weren't married. And so, when you think of those numbers, 80%, 4 out of 5, you know, probably no matter what church you go to, you're going to have somebody either struggling with this, and you need to understand that that's okay. I struggled with that for several years, but I struggled with it. I never accepted it as like, yes, this is the way I am, this is what I do. You get over it if you don't like it. I struggled with it. And the only way it went away was through time in the Word and time with God. And I don't know when He did, but somewhere in the middle of pursuing Him, it went away. It just, a lot of the way I talked and the things I did, it just, it just it went away. And I don't get to take credit, well, if you'll try harder, it'll go away. No, it's God working in your life. But when we've got that kind of percentage, 80%. See, I had a conversation a few years before I left Salem with some guys. And um, their youth pastor had gotten caught up into some sort of homosexual activity or everything. And, um, I mean, they were just the next day at school just trashing him. Just unbelievable. And they're like, I can't believe this. And Mr. Hopkins, can you believe? And I just kept silent. And they were like, what do you think? I said, well, let me ask you this first. I said, if the sin had been heterosexual, if it had been a woman and not a guy, would that have been okay? Well, yeah, that would have been fine. And I'm like, 
you just don't, you don't get it, man. Sin is sin. Sexual sin is sexual sin. And it lives in, in all of us. And we've got to find a way to, to overcome that. And at the cross is the only place I know to do that. And so this brought up too, when I thought about parading sin, the whole Super Bowl thing. Now, if my parents hadn't had the, um, the closed caption, and I would have never known this, but I watched Bruno Mars come out there, play his drums, you know, and I thought, man, that was pretty cool. And I saw him do all of his moves, and I'm like, man, you know, this guy's pretty talented. I got this. Um, but then I read the words to his songs. And listen, this is the first one he played. Listen to the lyrics. Never had much faith and love or miracles. Okay, so we're already talking faith, love, miracles. Never want to put my heart on the line, you know. But swimming in your water is something spiritual. Spiritual, okay? So we're using all this guys. I'm born again every time you spend the night. You bring me to my knees. You make me testify. You can make a sinner change his ways. Open up your gates because I can't wait to see the light. And right there is where I want to stay because your sex takes me to paradise. And then, you know, he goes on to, to sing the song that made him famous. Baby, you're amazing just the way you are. And everybody's like, oh, look how awesome. And I'm like, man, this is crazy. This, is, this guy right here is parading the very sin that dominates the world. Let me tell you, yeah, you're amazing just the way you are, but what I really want from you is your sex because that's what I'm really after. That's what I'm really about. And I go and I look on Facebook right after that and I see Christians saying, man, i got to go see him. If he comes around, I'm going to go watch him in concert. I'm going to pay this guy right here because he's amazing. And guys, listen, they're taking this stuff that we as Christians, man, born again. The only way I was born again was at the foot of the cross where Jesus saved me, where I asked Him to come into my heart and He changed it. Don't take that and turn it into some sort of sexual experience and we just go along parading this stuff. Not struggling with it, not dealing with it, not trying to pursue God and have it removed. We're just parading it. And you can't do that. And because of trash like this, look at Isaiah chapter 4, verse 1. In that day, seven women are going to take hold of one man and say, we'll eat our own food and provide our own clothes. Only let us be called by your name. Take away our disgrace. And what this means, guys, there's just going to be so few real men, real men who have been transformed by the power of God who are just chasing their own desires, their own lusts. And they're, they're, these women are going to say, where are the good men? Where are the godly men? That if they actually find one, you don't have to be my provider. You, we'll buy our own clothes. We'll buy our own food. Just let us be called by your name. Put me and my family before the presence of God. Take away our disgrace. Be a spiritual covering for me. And guys, listen, that's going on now. I can't tell you how many girls, either at the alternative school or either at the DAR school from where I used to work, they're like, Mr. Hawkins, just pray for me. You know, I'm like, do you have anybody in your family that loves and honors God? No. But will you pray for me? Because I know, you know, God hears you. And they, they believe that my, my prayers make a difference in their lives. And that's what they're 
they're asking for. There'll be so few real godly men that this is what they'll be saying. So Isaiah chapter 5 is more destruction, more judgment. Um, and then in Isaiah chapter 6, here it is. And band, if y'all want to go ahead and be coming back up, y'all can. It's uh, in the year that King Uzziah died. The year that he died, everything was all messed up. In the year that he died, there was such a transition. People were parading their sins. People were just dishonoring God in all that they did. People that were God's children. The, people, the very people He delivered. The very people He saved. It was in that year that I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And the train of His robe filled the temple. I remember last week we talked about how that temple just meant uh, you know, kings would, would cut off the parts of the robes the, the, that they defeated, and they would add it to theirs. And the, long, the longer the robe, the more victories they won. And so when you talk about the Lord, His train fills the temple because every victory belongs to Him. Every victory in your life, every victory that has ever been won is His. And that's why the train of His robe is so long. And so He sees the angels... And they're crying, holy, holy, holy. What I believe is because a new facet of God is, is uncovered every day, even in eternity. They're like, God, you are so amazing. How do you keep just showing us and manifesting a new part of yourself? It's infinite how awesome you are. You just keep, you just keep going. All we can do is cry, holy. And at the sound of their voices, he felt the, the, the earth shake and the, and the smoke filled the, the temple. And he says, and, and when that happened, the first thing he thought, the first thing, woe is me. I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among people of unclean lips. And then the, the angel comes, gets the coal from the altar, touches him, purifies him. Remember, that coal consumed the sacrifice on the altar that made the people pure, or the person that brought that offering pure. That's what the coal did. And the coal for us represents the cross. The cross consumed the perfect sacrifice, Jesus Christ. And it is that altar, that, that cross that, that purifies us, that makes us clean. And look in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. Look what he says. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Now that you've been purified, who's the Lord? Who, is, who, who can I send? Who can I send to be my messenger? Who can I send to show the world what I'm like? Who can, who, who can I send to tell everybody what's been done for them? Who is going to go for us? And I said, here I am. Send me. And so, as the band comes on out, I just want to... I just want to encourage you, man. We've been saved. I bet most people in this room have had a moment where they've come to the altar and they said, Lord, I want you to come into my heart. I want you to forgive me for my sins and save me from hell and make me your child. Okay? That's the easy part. Okay? But then you go through that gate and you walk that narrow road and that's what it means to be sent by God. Not only will I accept your forgiveness, I'll accept your road. I'll accept the walk. I will hear the word and I will do the word to the best of my ability. So my question is, can he send you? Can he count on you? 
and can he count on me? Here I am, Lord, send me. And I do want to tell you one more, because I, I kind of talked gloom and doom, but look at uh, Isaiah chapter 3. I skipped this one. It says, uh, right after all that parading sin, oh, you know, okay, everybody's parading sin, right? Tell the righteous it will be well with them, for they will enjoy the fruit of their deeds. Okay, yeah, everybody else is sowing sin and unrighteousness and immorality. But you tell the righteous, it'll be well with them. Isn't that awesome, guys? Tell the righteous, it will be well with them. If God can send you today, come on down, guys. And let's just pray and say, Lord, here I am. Send me. Can you play without me?